Good morning. This is uh, an impressive day. Looking out over y'all, I'm going to, where's my music guy, Jeremiah? Jeremiah, I'm going to mess you up here. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to drop it. It just kind of fell, but I was going to close your book. I think you got it marked pretty well. Um, that's a great, great testimony, brother. I, I love hearing real. And uh, so often in the church, we don't hear real. We hear what we think people want to hear. Uh, I look out of this crowd, and I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Pastor, this is good. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful in the midst of what the world is telling us that we should be locked up in our homes and fearful, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful. Uh, it's good to see people who are willing to come out, and obviously this is a friendly uh, location for those of us who are most concerned about covid but uh, I, I want to speak to the church today uh, regarding the power of God and, and the path to revival. I'm a revivalist. I, I believe with all my heart that God has called me to that ministry. And, and as I work my way through uh, life, he's, he tends to remind me of that and show me uh, what exactly it is he wants me to be. And sometimes I, I don't see it right away as, it, as something doesn't look like it's supposed to be what I'm involved with, but then I see God reveal a, 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 an opportunity that brings the opportunity for revival. And so we're going to talk today about that. Here, here's what I believe. I believe more now than ever before the church needs revival. I, I think we need to, I think we need to be, to recalibrate I think we need to, to investigate our hearts and ask ourselves this question. Are we truly more passionate about God than anything else in our life? I, I'm not asking if you, if you are faithful to the church or if you go through the, the day and the week trying to be good and, and trying to show God. I'm, I'm asking, is the passion of your heart today a presence of the Lord in your life? I'm reading a book that I just started. I, I, I tend to ask friends for good reads. And so I asked five of uh, men that I revere uh, in, in, the, in the ministry that I'm in uh, of evangelism and, and revivalism. Uh, and I asked them, I said, what's the five best reads? And I, I was telling uh, pastor that three of the five men, the number one book was a book I'd never read before. I actually had it on my shelf or somebody had given it to me uh, a time in the past and said, hey, you really need to read this. And I like all most spiritual guys who, you know, get stuff like that. It's like, sure, I'll do that. I'll get on it next week. <laughs> and it goes on a bookshelf. And uh, But when I found the book, I was thrilled. Uh, it's, it's called Set a Blaze for God. It's by a man named Wesley Duell. And in his book, he opens the book talking about what it looks like to be a blaze for God. As other people look upon you, they see something in you that is not normal and something that that is contagious and something that makes an impact. And the greatest impact we can have is the gospel, and the gospel, I believe, changes everything. So we're going to talk about that first today. If we want to see revival, here's, here's what my hero, Leonard Ravenhill, said about revival. As long as we are content to live without revival, we will. See, the, the enemy of revival is contentment with religion. And, and I believe COVID has exposed the church in this regard. I, I honestly believe in my heart that there's more fear of COVID than there is of God. And I think as a culture, we've been more sensitive to respond to a disease than we have been to respond to our creator. And I think it's exposed us. I think it's also challenged us in such a way, I, I hope 
And I pray that as we come out of this, the church, when I say we, that we have a new found love for the body of Christ. I don't know about you, but that extended summer that we had, I have eight kids. I have four, well now three, because I sent one off to college this year. I had four boys in my house. Uh, you can you can call DFAX or whatever it is called here in Georgia, it's called DFAX for the Department of Family Services if you want to, but here's the, here's the rule I instituted because I work out of my home a lot. I was telling the pastor last night at dinner, I said, you know, I limited my boys to two dads. You get to call, you get to use the name dad twice today. That's your limit. Once you've said dad twice, you're cut off. So you better save your dads. That better be important. Because it was like, dad, 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 dad. I'd be in my office and, and preparing and, 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 and man, God just moving in my life and it's knocking on the door. Dad, dad, dad. Hey, is it all right if I get some crackers? Well, you've never asked before. Yes, eat them all. So your brothers won't come ask me for some. Now they can say mom all they want. That, that's between them and their mom. But the dad got cut. I, 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 told, I told my boys, my two youngest boys, we adopted them. They're now 10 and 13, and they're awesome kids. They just have a lot of energy. I'm 53, and I don't have a lot of energy. I don't have the energy I used to have. I'll just say that. But I, I told them about two weeks before school started that the bus drivers were out practicing driving, and the next bus that drove by, they're getting on it. I don't care where they take you. Uh, you're just getting on the bus and going because it's been a long, long time. I hope there's a greater appreciation for the body of Christ and how much we need each other to live for God. It was never intended for us to be on our own. It's never intended for us to be isolated. And I believe COVID has exposed, hopefully exposed that in a good way. There's an appreciation now of the gathering of God's people in his house to fellowship, to learn, to move spiritually together like never before. But we need revival. It's not just enough just to, I'm going to mess you up some more, Jeremiah. Your order of worship is about to fly away. It's never been before where the church has been so isolated and people have been so isolated. I, I, at the Hampton Inn, I, I was told as I came in that uh, it was mandated in Morristown that you wear a mask. I was one of those in, in the beginning with the mask thing. I, I was like, hey, you're not telling me what to do. You know, I used to bench press 500 pounds. I can't do that anymore because I blew my shoulder out. And so I've always had that attitude like, you ain't making me do nothing. Go ahead and try. And... So I was one of those guys when it came to the mask. Then I started wearing a mask because I felt guilty. I just felt like, okay, I, I'm, I, I'm, now I'm being a rebel. And that's not necessarily a good thing. And so then I started wearing a mask, and it really ticked me off when people didn't wear their mask. I'm like, if I'm wearing my mask, and I got this beard, and it makes all kinds of funny noises in there, and then you take the mask off, and your beard's out here, and it's just crazy. If I can do it, you can do it. Well, I noticed the change in people's behavior like, in the hotel this morning, I, I, I left the room, walked all the way to the lobby to get my coffee, turned the corner, realized I didn't have my mask on. My room's all the way to the end. I walked, turned around, went back, because I want to be, be the guy that just doesn't disrupt all the time. So I go back and get my mask, and as I come back, there's a dude walking out of the, out of the, the kitchen area, and he doesn't have a mask on, and it's like he just stole something. He just had that look on his face like he, he knew he was supposed to have a mask on, but he didn't. And I didn't look at him, like stare at him. I just kind of glanced at him. But it looked like he was, like he'd just stolen a bunch of cookies out of the cookie jar. He just walked. Listen, I know it's challenging for us in this world that we live in. And if you think, I, I've told several pastors, you may think this is funny, but it's real. The enemy has got us in a place where we're more paranoid, we're, we're, we're more self-conscious, probably to a fault. 
And I've told pastors, and pastors know this, you know what can split a church right now? A mask. It's not the color of the carpet anymore. It's how we respond to COVID. When it really should be how we respond to God. And I'm not here to rail against COVID. Listen, man, it's, it's serious. There's people dying. And I'm not really here to rail against the culture and how we responded to it. What I, want us to, what I want us to understand today through Scripture is does this reveal how we've not been responding to God all these years? And could we really have revival if we just really get discontent with the normal, with the status quo? You know, it's altogether possible to be involved in the church and not be in the church. And when I say in the church, I'm not talking about the physical church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. There's a lot of people, there's, there's probably some people here today, you're very involved in the church. But just like the testimony we just heard, you're not in the church. That There was a time back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a, a term being used uh, there was even staff positions uh, being developed in churches using this word, and it just really bothered me. The word was assimilation. And if you ever want to stop and, and see where I believe a lot of people are in the church today, is they've assimilated in. What that means is, is you've come into the culture and you've learned how to survive and you've learned how to operate efficiently and effectively so everyone else feels like you're on the team. That's not salvation. That's religion. And religion is killing the church. We're in Acts chapter four today, and, and I want you to take your Bibles, if you have it, if you've got a phone and on the app, pull it up, Acts chapter four. I'm also gonna back up. I'm gonna kind of launch out of Acts chapter three. So if you're turning your Bibles there, let me just say this. Uh, tomorrow will be the 29th anniversary of my salvation. I was 24 years old when I gave my life to Christ. Christ radically saved my life, radically changed me. I, I don't believe that salvation is a prayer, as you've already heard. I, I believe prayer is involved. Uh, prayer is how we talk to God, and it's kind of hard to repent to someone if you're not going to talk to them. So. Prayer has to be a part of it, but the prayer doesn't save you. I, I believe, and I look back in my life, we had this conversation last night, and, and, and I, I believe when we look at salvation, the gospel is the power unto salvation. You, you heard that in testimony. It's the gospel that does the change. It's the gospel that does the work. And with the, with the gospel comes life transformation. I am not the same person that I used to be. It's not even close. Now, in the beginning, you might have had a harder time figuring out because I had a lot of stuff in me that had to be transformed, that had to be changed. My habits were not to go to church. My habits were to go to the bar. The bar was my church. And so there has to be a life transformation that takes place. And then a religious reformation, especially in this country, especially in the South, because everybody, in, in just about everybody in the South believes in God, but it's, it's not enough to believe in God. It's not enough to believe in Jesus. If you don't believe me, go read John chapter 2, verse 23 through 25, where it says many believed in Jesus that day, yet he did not give himself give of himself to them. In other words, he was having no part of their belief because he knew what was in their hearts. A religious reformation is exactly when we get to the place where man-centeredness is no longer what drives us. It's a God-centeredness that drives us and compels us. And we're gonna see that today in the scriptures. So back in, in Acts chapter three, we have Jay, or John and Peter on their way to the temple. Now, 
If you've read the scriptures, you know, this is not the first time they've been to the temple. I'll take you back to Matthew 24. That's where Jesus, they were there that day in the Holy Week when Jesus was gonna die on a cross. And, and the disciples walked out and said, oh, Jesus, look at the temple. Look how beautiful it is. That's where Jesus said, hey, all this stuff's coming down. So we know they'd been to the temple before. This is not the first time they've gone to the temple. So it's also probably not the first time that they ever have seen the man, the crippled man, asking for alms who was set at the beautiful gate. I think it's interesting that when Luke wrote this, he, he made note that he was sitting at the beautiful gate. Why is that? Well, when I, I was there in February, praise God, before COVID happened, and, and, and when we walked into the, into, the, into the temple area, walking through the beautiful gate is the main entrance. So that tells me that it would be almost impossible for these guys, for this to be the first time there was ever an exchange. And so in, in Acts chapter three, the story goes, they're walking in and, and this man asked for alms. And it says, I find it very interesting, it says that Peter gazed at the man. He looked at the man. And then he said, look at me. Now the man thinking that he was gonna get, get, get some gifts looked to Peter and to John, and that's where Peter quoted, silver or gold I have none, but what I have I give to you. And what he gave him was the gospel. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now let me just help you here. This is why, this is why I want you to understand that revival is waning, and it's because of this. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in Jerusalem at that time carried so much power. The reason was it was a little over 50 days prior to that that this man who had performed miracles in Jerusalem and done many great things in the, in the witness of many, he was crucified on a cross. This, this is not like hidden news. It's not fake news. This is the news, and everybody knew that Jesus was crucified on a cross. And then, bet your bottom dollar, the third day when Jesus rose from the grave, everybody heard, hey, did you hear the man they crucified? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he rose from the grave. He's not there anymore. So the name was different. The name had a different meaning. It had a different power to it. Before that, it was, it was kind of a spectator. It, it was, as I want to look upon him. I want to gaze upon him. I want to see him do some really cool stuff. I want to see him do what no other man can do. Now it's different. Now there's an authority that comes with it. This is a man that came up out of the grave. And this is a man that 40 days later ascended into heaven, not just in front of, 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 of just Christian people or his followers, but people that, that weren't followers saw. They witnessed him. They saw him. So there's power in this name like never before. And then Peter says to him, rise, get up and walk, and he does. Then the scripture says that the guy followed him around, he clung to him. And then the scripture teaches that when he was questioned, when he was put to the test, when he was, when all odds were against him, and the people that reviled Jesus questioned him, he stood strong. Why? Because of the name of Jesus. Now we sing songs entitled the name of Jesus in the church today. But I'm going to go back to the first question. Is Jesus the greatest passion in your life today? Is Jesus what makes you go and do and live? Or is this just the religious checkoff time? Is this just what we do on Sunday mornings? This is how we gather. This is a response to being isolated. You see, 29 years ago, Jesus radically changed my life. The Holy Spirit invaded me. I've never been the same since, ever. I've never one time thought it didn't happen. 
the name of Jesus. The gospel changes everything. I've heard people say, well, you know, I don't have a great testimony. I, I, I didn't do drugs and I didn't drink alcohol and I didn't, I didn't have all the, I didn't do all the things. Are you saying that that requires less power to transform you? Are you that good that it just takes a little power to transform you? Is your morality that close to godliness that it just takes a little power? No, it takes the same power to save a good moral man as it takes to save an immoral man. You have the same testimony. It's the power of God that changed you. Not your list of sins that you have. That just reveals how far away from God we were. Listen, there's moral people in the church further away from God than I ever was because they're counting on their morality. That's called the pride of life. It was the third temptation of Jesus. So the man is gloriously saved. The man is now testifying of Jesus. In Acts chapter four, we see this, and I want you to understand, I've already said this once, but I want you to understand, revival A religion is the opposite of revival. Look what happens in Acts chapter four. It says, and they, that's the disciples, were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple. And the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now the Sadducees, the reason that's important is the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And the old funny Baptist thing was, that's why they were sad, you see? They didn't believe in the resurrection. So they were annoyed. They're, they're, they're messing up our theology. It says, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000 people. Now, this is different. It's a different culture, different context. These people are not just changing their minds. Along with their decision, there's there's gonna be broken relationships that come immediately. There's gonna be persecution. There's a guy named Saul who's gonna come after them soon. He's gonna want, in his heart, he wants to kill them. So it's not just, hey, I went to church, they sang some songs, I felt the tug of God in my heart and I prayed a prayer, I gave my life to Christ. I'm I'm saying legitimately, you're not gonna find the resistance within the humanity than that you, what, what these guys would have faced, these 5,000 men and their families. You are gonna face the same spiritual resistance. It'll just manifest itself in a different way for now. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together. This is a religious crowd in Jerusalem with Annas and the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who are of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired by this, they inquired, I'm sorry, what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else's name, 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. The question I always want to ask is when I read that personally is when people come in contact with me, do they think I've been with Jesus? You can't conjure up being with Jesus. It's not something you can fake. You can try. But when you've been with Jesus, just like Wesley Duell says, it's evident to other people and it's evident to these people here that they had been with Jesus. But I want you to see first, the religion, the opposite of revival, Peter and John did not have to go to the temple that day. Think about this. They, they weren't required to go to the temple religiously. They went for the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. That's why they were going. They had probably walked by this guy day after day after day when they were in Jerusalem and doing ministry with Jesus in the temple. There was probably times since Pentecost, maybe time, that they did again and walked by. But today, they were on a normal day of mission, not religion. They weren't going to check a box. They were going to share the love of Christ. And in this moment, when, when the man cried out for help, why do you think they stopped and looked? Why do you believe that Peter was gazing at the man? I believe from personal experience, it was the Holy Spirit working in his life, stopping him in his tracks and saying, hey, don't walk by him. I don't know about you, but have you ever had that experience? You ever been out and, and you're, you're walking in the Spirit and all of a sudden you, you come to a place and it may be awkward and you really have to step out of your comfort zone, but you really feel like the Lord is leading you to do it. So you do it and it turns into some crazy encounter for God. That's like the drug of my choice now. It's awesome. But let me tell you the worst, one of the worst feelings there is in this world is when you get to that place and then you don't do it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about there too, right? I should have. I know I should have. The Spirit was compelling me and I didn't listen. That's a sin of omission. And I wonder, just wonder, if we're so full of Jesus and so filled with the Holy Spirit that the needs of others become more apparent to us because of the compassion of Christ that's in us. Do you, do you know when you read Psalms 37.4, we hear it quoted all the time, and it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let, let me help you understand this. I shared this already with, with a couple young people that came and asked me something. And so again, I'm just gonna be pretty vulnerable here. You can judge all you want. I, I probably won't care, but uh, unless you're like really vocal about it, then I might. But I have, I have four grandchildren. I know you didn't think I was that old, but I have four grandchildren. And, and I have one who I just drove by uh, on the way up here. I didn't stop because I was, I was trying to get here. I had a dinner date with your pastor. So I was driving through Waynesville, and my two-and-a-half-year-old, two-and-a-third-year-old uh, granddaughter, Ellis, lives there. Like, I invite Ellis to come to my house, and she can bring her parents if she wants. I don't care if they come, because they've got everything they're going to get from me. She can come and get, I'm, I'm Papa, yes. Like, I've told them, she'll never hear the word no come out of my mouth, ever. And this is my payback to you. So she's going to get everything she asked for. Just prepare yourself. Don't come barking at me. Don't, I, I don't care what you think. You know, I raised you. Get over it, you know? And so there's a relationship that goes on there that's pretty passionate. It's not that she's more of a favorite of a grandchild 
than the other three. But when that little girl, like when she FaceTimes us, like she'll, Nana, my wife will answer, that's Nana, baby to me. I don't call her Nana, that's not very romantic. I call her baby. But Ellis calls her Nana, and so Nana will answer the, the FaceTime, and first words out of her mouth, every single time, where's Papa? Papa, I want Papa. And she's not going to stop saying Papa until Papa gets on the screen. So sometimes I'm not with her, and she'll say, well, you're going to have to FaceTime Papa. Click. Like, not, hi, Nana, bye, Nana, click. And then my, and then she'll send me a text, Ellis is getting ready to call you. And so I don't care what I'm, if I'm meeting with whoever, it, I'm answering the phone. Sorry. And so I answered, hey, Ellis, and we talk, and it's, there's a relationship there, and here's the relationship. That little girl delights in her papa. So guess what? Papa, papa spends a lot of time with her. I'm always trying to teach her. I'm always, I'm always giving her that extra. She gets everything, she gets everything she wants in time for me and in tangible things. Why? Because she's open to what papa's saying. There's a favor that takes place there. I believe in the relationship. The same relationship we can have with God. When we delight in him, like when we FaceTime heaven and Timothy answers the call. Like, yo, Timothy, I love your, I love the books that Paul wrote, the letters Paul wrote you. You're awesome, dude. Where's Jesus? I, I want to talk to Jesus. You're cool. Hey, Moses, I, I, that's great, Moses. I, I appreciate the, well, I really don't appreciate the Ten Commandments, but at any rate, where's Jesus? You know? When we delight in God, he gives us his desires. And when we have his desires in our life, we're going to be different. And religion will shrink. The religious reformation that needs to take place in our life, we will look more like Jesus because we're delighting in him. And in that delighting, there's a transfer of his character into our soul that makes us more like Jesus. That's what was happening here. There was a, a, an invasion of the Holy Spirit. God was now dwelling inside of his, of his disciples through the Holy Spirit, and there was, a, there was a direct connect to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and, and they spent the time required to do it. I have a saying in my house. My kids, I have several sayings that they're sick of hearing, but here's one that we've been camping on lately. You cannot fix what you do not focus on. It, like it's, you can want it fixed, but it's not going to get fixed until you put some time, some effort, and some thought into fixing it. You have to focus on it. And if we don't focus on Jesus, we can talk about how we want a better relationship with Jesus, how we want to be more passionate about Jesus than anything else, but if we don't put the focus and the time on it, it will not happen. And what's happening here is there's a group of religious people that have commandeered the population religiously, and, and these disciples are a threat to their theology and a threat to their authority. Can I tell you this? God's authority is greater than any authority in the world. And we need to surrender and submit ourselves. As Peter says later in this conversation, I will not deny the authority of God in my life. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. I, this, this is my greatest fear for the church. I think we have an imbalance of what authority we have in our life. I think there's sometimes in the church the idea that you have the authority or the government has the authority over the church. Can I tell you something? And I believe this is going to come to a point. There's going to come a day, maybe sooner than later, where the government starts to tell the church what they can and cannot do.
Oh, that already happened, didn't it? I forgot. I'm just kidding. I didn't forget. But it's not just going to be because of a pandemic. It's going to be because we challenge their cultural beliefs. Because we stand on the word. They're going to tell us what we can and cannot say. And if you want to see some hard reading, if you want to spend some time tonight realizing what it will mean and what it will look like to be passionate, more passionate for Jesus than anything else in this world, go to Matthew 24 and go on down to verse 9, 10, and 11. Because after Jesus talked to his disciples about the buildings coming down, the temple coming down. Jimmy and I were talking last night. I said, man, you talk about a hard pivot in a conversation. Verse 9, Jesus says, and they will kill you. Whoa, whoa. We're talking about buildings coming down. And now you, what, what, what in the world? Verse 10 says there will be a great falling away. In a continuing statement, remember, we put the verses in there. In verse 11, it talks about how people will turn against each other. It's a continual thought. The people turning against each other are the people that are involved in the church turning on the people that are in the church. If I had to preach that two years ago, there'd be a lot of skeptics out there going, yeah, well, that's never going to happen. Listen. We're on the cusp, and we need revival. We don't need revival to feel good, just to feel better about ourselves, just to have a closer relationship with God. We need revival because if we don't have a closer relationship with God, we'll never endure that. He won't be important enough to endure it. There has to be a time when we look at the religious status and the cultural statuses of the world and say, you know what? I love you, but as for me and my house, I'm with Jesus. And it doesn't really matter what you think about that. And if it costs me my life, then take my life. But I promise you, you're never going to die for someone that you're not willing to live for. So before in your mind and you, you get these visions of how strong you would be, ask yourself how strong you are now. You see, they were living in a context when stuff was happening against the church like never before. Satan was trying to squash the church in his birth. Let me, let me help you with a little stronger. He was trying to abort the church. But greater is he who is in us and he is in the world. Last thing I want you to see today is this, this, this pathway to revival that begins with the gospel. It's the power of God. It's not the power of man. Anything that man builds will fall. But if God's in it, you can't stop it. That'll tell you if it's real revival. It's in the gospel. It stands against religion. In other words, it's, it's, it, it's hey, we've never done that around here. Never done that before. It, it says, no, it didn't, doesn't matter. This is God. He's doing this. I don't care what you say. We're doing it. We're going. We're in this. The last thing I want you to see is the Holy Spirit compels us to act, and others will take note. Here, here's what happens when revival breaks out. I've had the privilege of being a part of two just unbelievable, no doubt in the world, God revivals. One was a 17-day spontaneous revival at a church I was at in Gainesville, Georgia. The church was running about 2,000 people. There was two services, about 1,000 each. And, and, and on that day, I was baptizing uh, some teenagers. We had 29 baptisms that morning of teenagers. We'd just been to camp. We'd had a God move in a big, big way. And, and I was baptizing a young man named Aaron Bennett. Now, it, could, it was already going on. It was already taking place. I just didn't notice it until him. And so he's coming down. I had 
students come from both sides, so I was just kind of focused on them not slipping in the water and, you know, making a fool out of us. And, you know, so I'm watching, and, and I bring Aaron down, and I just happened to glance out at the crowd, and the lights were really bright on me, so it's kind of hard to see, but I, I could see silhouettes of heads at the altar. And as I focused in a little more, I saw the aisles were full of people. I'm in the baptistry just baptizing people. There's no, like, weird music going on. You know, I'm not hearing voices. I just look up and I see that God has showed up that day in church. We're without a pastor. We had an interim. We had a staff of four people. Just think about that, four people in a church running over 2,000. I mean, it was crazy. And we didn't have two services that day. We had one. And no one was getting up to leave because it went long. And I mean, the people in the first service, they were there for, the, for a two-plus service. I mean, it, we, we left that day about 1.30 with the agreement we were coming back at 6. We normally started at 7. But we, we were going to give God time in the front. And so we, we, came, we just agreed as a church that hey, we're coming back at 6. It's obvious God has showed up. And for 17 days... There was revival in that church. We didn't have an evangelist come in. We just had the staff, the men, to get up and read the scriptures. God laid it on our hearts. And he just kept moving and moving. And I mean, lives were transformed before our very eyes. It's amazing what God did in that time. But what happened was, is there was a hunger for God. Listen, if you have a hunger for God today, That's not because of you. That's God putting a desire in your heart for more of him. And a hunger should drive us. I don't know about you, when I get hungry, I want to eat. Like, bro, like the last two days I've had salads. I told you that last night. I'm not eating a salad today. I don't know what I'm going to eat, but it's going to be of meat proportion. I'm hungry. When we're hungry for God, we go after him hard. Guys, if you keep me away from food for, for, for a long time, I, I'm not walking past pizza. I'm not walking past hamburgers. I mean, it, they don't even have to be mine. I don't care. These guys were so full of the Holy Spirit that the resistance didn't stop them. They were not operating in their power. They were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. This wasn't man-driven. This wasn't Peter and John. You know, hey, we'll go show them. No, they, they were going with purpose. And the testimony of the people who were resisting them was These guys have been with Jesus. Five thousand men were saved after the three thousand that were saved a day or two before. Holy Ghost revival. Because people got so passionate about Jesus that nothing else mattered. I don't know about you, but I long to see that. And I'm telling you, there's a time coming where that will be required of you as a follower of Jesus. It's coming. And the only way to get there is to remove the stuff that stands between you and that. And for some of you, that is salvation. You, you've heard the testimony already. You know, I would say, man, that, that junior high encounter, that's part of your journey. And that's God revealing truth to you that there's eternity out there. That the thought of eternity, listen, God put eternity in us. Only he can fill it. So he revealed his need for eternity. Some of you today, you, you're, you've, you're religious, you're involved in the church, 
You, 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 you will blow people's minds when you get this right because they're gonna, they're, they look at you like you're, you're some devoted follower of Christ, but it's all external. It's all driven by your will. It's not compulsion of the Holy Spirit. And if you will allow God today to change you from a good, moral, upstanding citizen to a follower of Jesus, you will never be the same. And it takes the same power to save you that it took to save this drunk man. There's some of you in the crowd, that's settled for you. But you've got layers between you and God. My wife and I right now, more my wife, I'm just doing it. We're renovating our house. I've lived every man's dream in the last week. I got to take a chainsaw to the walls of my house. We have a log house. And and so I've been cutting walls to renovate the house. And then we cut some of the floor out. And the house was built in 1936. And I was blown away at the layers of floor that was there. You, you could never tell how many layers were there by walking on the floor, by looking at the floor. It was the floor. But when I cut into it, I remember telling my wife, I, I had a drill and I drilled down in there because I wanted to see what, what was all underneath there in one of those doorknob drill things. And I, and I pulled it out and I knocked it out and it was just round thing. And there were layer after layer like three and a half inches of layers of flooring. But you would have never known it was there until you were willing to dig down in there and find out. And some of you've got layers and layers and layers between you and God, your father. You're a Christian. You've made that decision. And you don't even know they're there. Or you don't see the problem with them being there. I'm going to pray today that the Holy Spirit reveals that to you and you're willing to start peeling those layers back. This has become more important than my time with Jesus. This has become more important than my time with Jesus. This has become more important than my time with Jesus. Big struggle in the church, guys. It's the church is full of people that are more than willing to respond to the invitation to come to Christ than they are to follow the command to go from Christ. And that's a Holy Spirit issue. And what causes that is layers. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say to do? If you want revival, the only thing that can revive you is the gospel, the power unto salvation. Even as a believer, it's the gospel. It's your relationship with God. It's your relationship with Jesus because he died for your sins and you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God as a believer. The gospel still changes your life because it gives you a new opportunity. Some of you need to take advantage of that today. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, today I come to you and I ask you in your power, in your power, Father, would you speak to hearts and draw people to you? Father God, I pray you right now, you would, you would convict the lost person that's here. Help them to understand that their religion will never satisfy you that there's nothing anyone can do to please you outside of having faith in you and completely in you. Not just believing in you and doing what they think is good to add on to. God, I pray you'd bring conviction to those people who, who are involved in the church but have assimilated in and have never been transformed by the power of the gospel. 
put a desire in their heart right now, God, that is so strong that they would surrender. God, and I pray for those that are here that are in your church, that are your people, that, that are following you. Father, over the years and over the, 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 the time, from the time they've been saved till now, they've allowed a little more distance and a little more distance and a little more distance between how closely they follow you. And God, that's out of convenience. That's out of preference. That's out of choosing to love what the world has instead of what you have. And God, I pray you'd bring conviction. That we would all have a proper perspective of what stands between us and you and what keeps us from experiencing personal revival and demonstrated revival within the body of Christ. God, we need you and apart from you, we can do nothing. No one here has the ability to start revival. Only you can. And God, I pray you'd start it in the hearts of these people today. That you would plant the seed, water it, and give life to it today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here right now and you, you feel strongly the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about your salvation, let me just encourage you with this. God is not a secret God. You'll hear people sometimes say how mysterious God is. There's some truth to that, but understand, he never wants to be a mystery to you. He wants you to know him in his fullness. And so maybe you're here today and you've got a similar experience to what you heard in testimony. That when someone asks you about your relationship with God, you go way back to some moment in time where you prayed a prayer. You were probably genuine in in your desire, but you didn't fully understand the need of repentance to turn from your wicked ways and to turn to God, to acknowledge, to agree with God that your choices are what put his son on the cross. that your affections have been given to the things that crucified his son. Maybe today, as God's calling you, you will have the confidence in God and you will come. If that's you right now, just pray in your heart. Remember, you've got to talk to God and repent to God to be saved. That's called prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, today, I recognize that there's something between me and you that I've never settled and I've never made peace with you. And my heart longs for peace with you, God. I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I've chosen to be a sinner and I know that I've desired to be a sinner. That nothing was thrust upon me. I made these choices and these choices crucified your son Jesus. God, I'm sorry for my sin. And not only am I sorry for it, I don't want it anymore. I agree with you. It's wrong. And I'm turning to you, God, and I'm asking you for your power to overcome my failure because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm not gonna give a come forward invitation, but I wanna pray over you. If you prayed that with me just now, no one's looking around, but if you prayed that, would you just lift your hand? Just right where you're at. So you know what? Today, I'm recognizing and realizing that, that I needed Jesus and I gave my heart to Jesus. Just raise it up high. I want to pray over you. I just want to see your hands. 
and just very gently put it up and say, this is, that's me. I'm being honest before a holy God right now. I needed today to surrender my life to him, and I just did. If you just hold that up. There's others in this crowd. You settled that a long time ago. But as I was speaking about the layers between you and God, God showed you. God pointed it out to you. As, I, as, 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 as God led me to, to say to you about the passions in your life, God spoke to you in those times. And today, you want to come back to him. You, you, wanna, you want to ask him for forgiveness. You want to restore a relationship that is not what it should be right now, and it's because of your choices. It's not because God's left you. It's not because he's not forsaken you. He'll never forsake you. You're his child. But you have made choices to distance yourself from him. And today you recognize that and you want to repent of that. Just right now, right where you're at. You don't need me to lead you. Just right where you're at right now. Acknowledge that before God. Agree with God that that was sin, that that is wrong. And come running back to Jesus in your heart. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He's walked with you through the messiest, nastiest stuff you could ever take him through, and he's not forsaken you. That's the demonstration of his love. Come running back to him, church. Prepare yourself for the challenges coming ahead that will depend on your passion for him. Yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you. Again, I'm just gonna pray over you. I'm not, I can't even hardly see you. But just lift your hand. I wanna pray over you. If that's you, God's spoken to your heart today about your distance, about the passions. Just lift your hand up, praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Honest before God. Man, I love seeing young people, man, hot for God. That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father God, in the name of Jesus, those that are here today that have listened and heard and God have been, have been motivated and, and drawn by you, God bless them. Show them your goodness more so than they've ever seen before. Touch them in a way that they'll know it's you. And God, you get the glory for that. God, for the church as a whole, my prayer today was that when we leave here today, they're more passionate and more on fire for you than ever before. And God, we would take the example of Peter and John and we would live our lives in such a way that life is, is transforming around us and, and people who are lost and, 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 and even against what we're for, that they would look upon us and they would say they must have been with Jesus. And God, we'll give you the glory and you the honor. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now listen, pastor's already said this, Pastor Jimmy said, there, there's a way to communicate, and it's right here, it's TLC, decision, I had to remember that. I'd read that upside down with a map, with thing movement. TLC decision at 94,000. Just take your phone out right now and just text that. Or when you get back to the car, just text that. There's tents here for people that want to pray with. Maybe you've got a burden. Maybe, maybe something's going wrong. Maybe you just need an a, a, a ear to listen and to pray over you. That's what these tents are for. Go to them. Don't, don't just come and, and hear and, and not respond. Respond to the message. Respond to the word of God. Not, not from, I'm not going to see it. I won't know. And it's not just so, the, so they'll know. It's, it's so you can be obedient and take that step, as, as our brother said, and, and, and then see what God has next. God's not, God's not going to let you take your second step until you take your first step. I'll just say this too. Some of you may be here. I, I know the class is in two weeks. Is that right, Pastor Jimmy? Two weeks it starts. Some of you need to be a part of this church. And I think the class is a requirement, right? You need to come to that class. Y'all need to get off the sidelines and get in. God's doing a great thing here. Some of you, you, you may be just like my brother, you, you might have your baptism on the wrong side. And you heard testimony today. 
You, you need to get your baptism on the right side. I wear this ring right here. What's it tell you? That I'm married to the hottest woman in the world. That's what it tells you. If I took take this ring off like I just did, am I still married? She would tell you, heck to the yes. So why do I wear the ring if it doesn't marry me? Because it tells the world I'm married. I didn't put this on before I gave my vows. Put it on after. And some of you through your baptism, after your salvation, you need to testify through the death, the burial, and the resurrection symbolically and obediently that you're a follower of Jesus, just like I tell people I'm married to the hottest woman on the planet. Respond to the gospel today. Leave here today with fresh wind and fresh fire, as Jim Cimbala says, in your heart to go take the gospel wherever you're going from here. Just think of the impact of just this church right here, just this group of people as we disperse, that we all leave here filled with the Holy Spirit of God, going off to lunch, going off to conversations, going off to, to, to see waitresses and, and going to see family, and we all go full of the Holy Spirit where they know we've been with Jesus, that the impact that could take place in the next hour and a half in this community. Go in the name of Jesus. Amen.